everything I can see in my in my past is all about technology, television and marketing and communications. It's all about connecting people with the causes that I was promoting at that point. It just took me a couple of years to realize that God built me to connect people to him through technology more than anything else. Welcome back to another episode of The Stew on this podcast. With me today is my good friend, Ryan Cole. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, for sure. Well, Ryan, you and I uh, were chit-chatting earlier this week, and we were talking about having you on to the show, and uh, I asked you in a few words as possible, um, if you were to describe what it is that you're passionate about. You said going all in all the time, which I absolutely love, even that concept. Um, but before we dive into any of that, dude, why don't you just let the listeners know a little bit of who Ryan Cole is and what he's about? Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, going all in all the time is one of those things that I truly am passionate about. But I think it's it's taken... I mean, years for me to get to that level, you know, like we, we go all in all the time. And what that meant for my life growing up was anytime that I was in a sport or something like that, my parents, I was just super blessed with my parents. always saying, Hey, we'll, we'll do this. If you want to do it, go for it. That kind of transpired over college to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue, amazing things in this world. I'm going to be rich and famous and all that good stuff. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to get after it and I'm going to do it for me. I wanted to do it as as best that I possibly could so I could get the glory and all those different things. Um, I grew up in the church, uh, but I didn't really know Jesus, which I know it sounds kind of like counter, right? Like our family was the Christmas Easter family. I knew the Lord's Prayer. Um, It didn't really do youth group or anything like that. Really, my church was sports growing up. I was a hockey player. Uh, I live in Colorado, so we do different sports out here than normal people. So I did <laughs> hockey, and then I actually was blessed enough. My parents knew um, at an early age that I was really good at skiing, and so I was on track to be a junior Olympic skier and an Olympic skier and spent most of my uh, middle school and early parts of high school doing that. In ninth grade, I actually lived in Vail and uh, full-time and skied every single day throughout the season, training and training and training and going to school from like five in the morning to 11 and then training for the rest of the day. It was really intense. That's just the way that I grew up. Um, And sports were kind of our religion of sorts. I remember traveling in the summer for my sister's soccer tournaments and stuff like that. My parents loved us. They blessed us. They went all in on us and whatever we wanted to pursue. But really, they were the kind of parents that were like, if you're going to do this, you're going to do this, right? You're going to go for it. And uh, performance was kind of our our mantra of our family, and you're going to get after it. I grew up um, the son of a, a doctor, so financially super blessed and really didn't have to want for anything in my life. So I really got the upbringing where I got to pursue whatever passions 
that I had on my heart at the time, as long as I did it full, full steam ahead. Right. You know what I mean? Like just as long as we went for it and did the best we possibly could. So had the backing, had the parents, had all the great blessings growing up. And that was really great until <laughs> I had to go out in the real world on my own after college. I went to college because I wanted to be in television. I wanted to be the next Tom Brokaw at that point and um, really wanted to pursue TV for seeing myself on the screen, you know, um, wanted to be in the mix of the news. I wanted to produce stories. I wanted to tell other people's stories. Went to college for that, got three degrees in that. Um, and then I got moved to my first TV station in Kansas. And that's where kind of the rug was pulled out from under me. It's a really hard business. And you want to talk about performance issues, performance anxiety. It's um, you're creating, but you have to create something new every single day. And that really wears on you. And if you're not built a certain way, it really, it's tough to build, a build and build and build and build, right? It's kind of like, oh, I don't know, the pastor of a church. Because once the sermon gets delivered every Sunday, you have to do another one next Sunday. You know what I mean? Like it's, the, imagine that you, you have to do things over and over again. But for me, it was one of those things where I, I really was in it for me and not for anything else. And it wasn't until in my mid twenties where I kind of reconnected with, um, the Lord through a round of businesses and things of that nature. I actually, um, travel marketed. I got to spend a lot of time on the road, man. I got, I got to experience this country from top to bottom, left to right. I've been to every state. Um, I've been to a lot of different restaurants. And after a period of time, you really learn that in this country, in the United States, man, after a period of time, there's a Buffalo Wild Wings next to a Home Depot next to, um, all these different chains. Right. And, and that's, that's the United States, frankly. And so really it gets to this point where you're like, well, where do I want to live? And really that's where God, um, kind of opened the door and said, well, you know, you grew up in Colorado. I was living on the road. I spent a lot of time in Kansas at, at that point. And so naturally I decided to move back to Kansas <laughs> because I had this great relationship with a guy who um, I was on staff at a theme park that ended up going defunct. And I had always known that this dude was like different and he lived with these other dudes that were different. And so after traveling, I decided, well, I'm going to go live with those guys and figure out what they're about. And maybe they'll, they'll be my mastermind group so I can figure mm. out how to make a million dollars and all that stuff. Right. I, yeah. I I love the fact that that's what God used. He used business. He used money. He used all these different things to kind of get me in this house. It was a discipleship house. And these guys taught me about the word, about the Lord, about Jesus, about what's real and true and honest in this world and how we can, in fact, live out our passions and what God made us to be and who he made us to be um, if we figure out who he is in us kind of first and then mm -hmm. mix the two together. You see what I'm saying? So yep. the way I kind of live out my passion since then, and you know, it's a, it's a never ending, never evolving journey is to really figure out how to connect people to Christ. And my particular vein that I do that is through technology. Everything I can see in my, in my past is all about technology, television and marketing and communications. 
it's all about connecting people with the causes that I was promoting at that point. It just took me a couple of years to realize that God built me to connect people to him through technology more than anything else. So that's a short, long version of the craziness that is the cats in my head for the past 20 years, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's something that you said that just kind of really piqued my interest because I think yeah. that it it also resonates with just how my story reads. But with the family that you grew up in and with this passion that uh, God's given you to be all in all the time, like um, for, for me growing up, I grew up with a mom that always said to me, uh, do the best you can. And then I had a dad that would always tell me to be the best. So those words, those phrases, um, those commands basically were what was always running through my head through everything that I did. Mm -hmm. um, so even now, I tend to not jump into something half-hearted. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to jump in uh, with full force, uh, even if that means that I don't fully understand what it is that I'm getting myself into. Um, I just have that competitive edge, that nature of, Man, well, if I'm going to do this, I, I'm not only going to do the best I can, but I'm going to find who is the best and try to figure out how do I surpass that person. So being all mm -hmm. in all the time. Um, so with you saying, you know, you grew up doing sports, skiing, all that kind of stuff, the family that you grew up into, how much would you say that your family upbringing played into um, cultivating this passion that God gave you? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, I think it's one of those things where... Um, we are, you know, being a father myself, I have a six-year-old, right? So it's one of those things where as parents ourselves now, um, you have a daughter as well. Um, and it's mm -hmm. one of those things where I'm trying not to screw up my daughter, <laughs> um, but at the same respect, <laughs> like she's six, right? So I'm looking at her going, what did God build you for? And what yeah. do I need to do? Right now, she's six. We're like, okay, we need you to learn how to swim so you don't die if you fall in a pool, right? Like there's those right. kind of protectionism things. But even looking at a little six-year-old going, oh man, you love art. You're so outgoing. You're, you, she loves Jesus. You know, all these different things. Um, that's kind of the way that my parents were to me where, like I said, they afforded us every opportunity and we had so much financial blessing and time, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom, you know, and she got to spend as much time with us, frankly, as we wanted. And I think it was a fantastic way, but from the performance perspective, my parents were both all in people themselves. So I was a product in, in kind of, of their upbringing as well. My, my dad wanted to become a doctor to help people and he wanted to set his own path. So he grew up very poor in Oklahoma um, and really wanted to leave, um, Oklahoma and was like, I'm, I'm out of here and I'm going to do this. I'm going to set my own path. I kind of wanted, was the same way, you know? Um, unfortunately my parents ended up divorcing when I was in, um, college, but since then my mom, um, she was a nurse before she met my dad. And then she now runs hospitals of all things because she just is that way. Performance has always been this thing that I think you have to, have a healthy respect for. And this is the a massive part about figuring out God's purpose. I can see performance issues <laughs> in my story, particularly when it relates to business, you know, because I think one of those things that I'm kind of built specific to do is 
um, performance doesn't allow you to sit in status quo situations, right? You mm-hmm. always want to be getting better. You always want to beat your time. You want to um, lose those 10 more pounds. You want to, there's, is there an end to this performance? You know, it's, it's this idea that I grew up basically thinking like, it's not supposed to be this way. And that got drilled into my head. Your time is always supposed to get better. You're always supposed to get a better score. You're supposed to get a better grade. You're, you could have said that one thing on that TV news story, clearer type stuff. You know what I'm, I'm saying? It's, it's that kind of thing. But, but when you do that without God and you project that on other people, whether that's in business or in relationships, it can frustrate the snot out of other people. And that's where you have some massive issues in your life. And that's what I'm super thankful for, you know, learning how to juggle this performance idea and what God created us to do with our purpose and what God created us for. And those are the things that we, when when you don't kind of mix those two together, you're doing it all for yourself. It it just really doesn't go well. (laughs) It's it gets frustrating for you. It gets frustrating for the people in the organizations that you're in that you're trying to lead, that kind of stuff. I think that it's one of those things over the years that I've had to learn how to take the idea of the status quo, or it's not supposed to be like this, or I can make this one thing better. And you have to take it through a leadership funnel and a leadership journey to help people along in that instead of just being like a, an individual, right? So it's team sports versus individual sports. Skiing mm-hmm. is a very individual sport, but you are on a team, right? So there are some events where the team can get points. Yay, USA skiing, right? We are all in for USA skiing, but it's really an individual sport. You're trying to beat everybody else in the the top five people on the team. That's how teams win, right? Um, but it's very individualistic. Basketball is not a team sport. Football, I played football in high school. Football is a, is a huge team sport. And it's one of those things where if you're not all on the same page, it's just chaos. <laughs> and if you have, we see this in the NFL sometimes when egos get involved and people are going left instead of right. And you, you, know, you see those passes where you're like, dude, those two are not on the same page at all. Those are the things that get us in trouble. And for me, living out our passions is the pursuit of figuring out where God has us and wants us to, to pursue all that he has for us and in us. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I, like, I'm even thinking right now, like there's, there tends to be a danger when it comes to like pursuing your passion too, Mm -hmm. because what you're Mm -hmm. talking about is understanding who God is and how you fit into what God's design is and the the passion, the identity that he's given you. Um, And you even give this beautiful example because you're right. We've seen anybody who watches football, they've seen this where you do watch a a quarterback throw past a receiver and, and the receiver does go left instead of right. And you hear the commentator say it right away. Like, well, clearly there was some kind of miscommunication there. Mm. Um, But there's also a frustration that comes with that. And I think like even even with your passion of being all in all the time, dude, there can be so much frustration involved in that because being all in all the time means that, man, you're, you're kind of bulldozing um, a path. <laughs> right. Sometimes sometimes you're bulldozing a path that isn't there. And, and uh, you know, the danger becomes, man, 
is this an unhealthy thing? Like, am I right. moving forward so much that, yes, I'm bulldozing and I'm blazing a trail, but at the same time, either I'm burning myself out or I'm, you know, affecting the people around me. So um, that being said do you, like with this all in all the time mentality, uh, what are some ways that you've set up guardrails to stay healthy in the process? Well, I think bulldozing comes from when you, you, you um, it's one of those things that I've, I don't know who said the quote, but like if you're leading and you look behind you and no one's there, <laughs> you're not really leading. You're just right. being a jerk moving forward without anybody following you. Right. Um, the, the bulldozing mentality kind of goes through, um, and, and I am a, uh, really good champion of the fact that I have bulldozed people in my past. I'll, I'll be the first to admit mm-hmm. that there are people that could listen to this podcast. They're like, yep, he did that to me. And I think that that's one of those things where maturity comes in, where you realize that bringing people along or the way that you bring people in and through situations, if it's not centered on anything other than Jesus, that's where the bulldozer gets hurtful. It gets painful. It's, um, it steps on people's toes. There is a way to enact change that doesn't require um, the negativity of what bulldozing can do, but the positivity of bringing people along in, in God-given proactive change. Let me give you an example. Um, I'm, I help a, a church in this town in Colorado Springs right now, and um, they it's a, a super denominational church. I'm not going to name who it is. Uh, but over uh, the past two years, maybe year and a half, they have uh, enacted and they have a traditional service and they have a contemporary service. Well, taking a super old church and enacting a contemporary service overnight just doesn't happen, right? It just isn't a thing. It's not going to go well. Um, this church has done some amazing steps to bring people along in the process and hire the right people to say, okay, I know the end result is contemporary service, but even in that contemporary service, can we start small? Can we start with making it look a little bit different, same message, that kind of stuff? We lose some liturgical things, but but really it's all about Jesus in the end, right? Over the past year, it's gone from traditional to contemporary to what some <laughs> uh, negative congregants would probably say rock star-y, right? Uh, but some really, it's a, 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 what we've done in the church is to, to really create an atmosphere of worship. Right. That's the whole goal. The goal is nothing about us. The goal is not to grow from traditional contemporary. The goal is to create atmospheres of worship for different types of people to come and know Jesus. Right. The steamrolling comes into effect when we just say, nope, we are going to take a traditional church service and we are now going to be contemporary overnight. And we pray that you all love it. And if you don't love it, there's the door. Like that's, that's a mentality that some people have in the church world today. It doesn't really work. That's not what I think Jesus wanted to do. I think he brought, that's what discipling is all about, right? Discipling is bringing people along in the journey. You and I are not complete. Nobody listening to this podcast will ever arrive. Our goal for the rest of our life, if we know Christ, is to become more like him and the way that he would want us to be in this world right? Love God, love our neighbors. Those are the two things that we're called to do. If you don't know Christ, I suggest that you know him first and then you love him. And then you know, like, it's a very simple path. There's like three questions that we'll ever have in, in life, right? Did you know Jesus? Did you love him? And did you love others the way that he taught us to love them? I mean, it's really, the gospel is really not that hard, right? But it is a lifelong work to get ourselves out of the way 
And when we are in the way, getting ourselves out of the way is, is usually that bigger problem more than anything else. So kind of wrapping it up, going back to your original question, you know, bulldozing people, you can't really bulldoze people into Jesus. <laughs> and mm -hmm. there are ways that you have to bring people along. That's what discipleship is all about. That's frankly what leadership is all about. If you take a question like, is it supposed to be this way? Are you supposed to be this way? And you you ask those questions, but you have to bring people through a journey to answer that question, frankly, for themselves. Because if you tell people what the answer is versus having them seek the answer, it's just not going to be as impactful and stick mm -hmm. as much as leading people to the answer. I really feel like that's what the gospel is all about, too. I really feel like that's what Jesus did. He he told Pharisees and scribes uh, and um, Sadducees what the I mean. It, well, I mean, this is the, the the first Old Testament of the Bible, right? God told them what to do, didn't go well, <laughs> right? So now Jesus had to. He knows what they that God said, and now he has to bring them along in what the truth of what God was trying to do. And frankly, he had to die to really complete that work. Yeah. And resurrection and all yeah. that stuff too. You know, I mean, I'll, there's there's a lot there we could get it to, but I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so there is a saying that uh, that you and I have in common when it comes to our hatred for this saying, and, and I would say that hate <laughs> might be a strong word, uh -huh. uh, but I, I so much dislike hearing this phrase, um, and it's the phrase of, well it's always been this way or we've always done it like that or you know oh, anything you along the, those lines yeah you just made the hair on the back of my neck stand you know like yeah it just doesn't work yeah yeah because i i mean i believe that healthy things grow um mm -hmm. and i was even talking to we had our young adult ministry last night and i was talking to one of our young adults and um her and I were even talking about that idea of healthy things grow. And then she came back and blew my mind. She goes, yeah, healthy things grow. But she says at the same time, uh, growing things change. And I was like, oh, all yeah. right. Yeah. Way to capitalize on that. So because it's a common uh, phrasing that you and I both dislike, disagree with, uh, you know, make our stomach churn a little bit. Uh, why do you have a hard time with that saying? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um... I am learning really close to 40 right now is that there's different seasons that we go through in life. And for us to sit here and say that um, we know all things in our 30s and 40s is just it's just a joke. Right. I think where the rub comes and I think where where I get frustrated is when you see the opportunity to make something better and we're wallowing in our filth a little bit like that's where the mm. frustration comes from right? Where there are reasons and things. Church is a, a fantastic example of this, right? We do things for this one guy because we don't want to upset him, but it has no purpose whatsoever except to make that one guy happy. Well, yeah. what? Like that's not, that should never be a thing. Like we should talk to the guy and say, Hey, Steve, I, I'm just, there are no Steves that, that are listening to this that should take this personal. I just picked a name. Sorry, Steve. Um, yeah, sorry, Steve. Steve, um, I I don't, I, I you know like like the the fleshly heart is I don't really care about your feelings. This affects just you. But if we do it this other way, it affects 150, 300, a thousand people in a positive way. Mm 
but we get this crutch or we blame it on the way that we've always done it this way for the purpose of a few versus the explosion and what God's called us to do for the masses. So for example, you know, like I, I believe that my purpose, I have a, a kind of a, this is what I was talking to you about earlier, right? To connect people to Christ through technology. Some mm-hmm. people loathe technology. There are people that don't have cell phones. Like that's just not a thing for them. It's less and less. It's fewer and fewer these days. But I have seen people come to know Jesus through a church service online. I have yep. seen how God can work in a person that might not have the availability to get to a church service because they live in a country that doesn't allow Jesus, the name of Jesus to be spoken. Why are technology, I guess what I'm I'm saying is can be used for both a good and an evil. But uh, I have a Bible open right in front of me, but I have an, uh, a smartphone right next to me. I prefer the paper Bible. Uh, but also I know that my Bible app is always with me. I prefer the paper Bible because I know like, and I, I've seen my work, right? Struggling and wrestling with passages and underlining and stuff like that. But I remember um, I was on a Bible streak and I was like, I needed to underline four more verses in my Bible. And I got like some 500 underlines. And I, I shared that on my social media. And one of my friends was like, <laughs> do you know any of those verses? Or are you just underlining a whole bunch of verses? Like, it's a great question. I don't have any idea in my actual Bible, how many verses. And then in my other Bibles and Bibles and Bibles, right? You know, like, but that's the thing right. where technology can be a, van, a very, very good thing, but it can also be a very, very bad thing. And to me, when we hold on to the inability to change because we want to wallow in our filth or we want to, we don't want to grow, that's, I think, where I get more frustrated, frustrated more than anything else. And I think the frustration that I have is this inability to change or at least to try new things or at least to explore and find out, um, can we enact this piece of technology for the betterment of the entire church? That's a huge heart that I have, which is there there are there are lots of big churches out there that are frankly just giving away their stuff for little churches to grab and to hold on to. But what happens is this basis of comparison where we look at big, big churches that have been doing it for 20 years and have been taking risks and have been stepping out on a limb. And we take our smaller churches and we go, I want to be like that church. Cool. Hmm. Give it 20 years. Start. Yeah. You know, you can shortcut the process. You can take little leaps over things, right? But really, you're looking at 20 years of blood, sweat, and frankly, faith that God has put into that church. I think where unrealistic expectations come into play, where our, our, where our pride kills everything, we say, I want what that person has mm-hmm. for, from a prideful perspective versus a God-honoring perspective where we look at it and say, God, multiply what we have, grow what we have. That's awesome over there. Can I take that piece of information and put it into our ministry and exponentially grow it? Oh, wow. We took that piece from that thing over there and we put it into our DNA and wow, that did not work at all. And so Mm -hmm. can we then have the humility and say, congregation, we're super sorry. We tried something new. Um, I don't think we talk to our congregations enough, frankly, about what we're doing. You know, I've been on staff mm-hmm. at churches, uh, and we just do things without telling people what we're doing and the reason behind it. And I think that that 
really freaks people out. And I mm-hmm. think that that's where you get the whole, the way we've done it this way in the past. Well, the way we're doing it in the future is this. And the reason we're doing it is to reach more people f- for the gospel. We're trying to change lives right. because life has changed. We're trying to reach more people because reaching people has changed. If we wanted to reach people with rotary phones and spam calls and talk to them about Jesus, it's just not a thing. You know, we just can't yep. do that anymore. So it's looking at the the ability to use things like technology to make things better, but also combining that with leadership to walk people through that process. Because if you don't walk people through that process, as the leader, that gets frustrating, but also as the follower, that gets really deflating and beyond frustrating, you think that you're getting left in the dust, particularly when it deals with bigger issues like change. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I am all for um, apologizing for something not working. Mm-hmm. I think one of my biggest fears is that there's something, God's got something for us on the other end of, some, of trying something. And my biggest fear is that we never try that something, that we're too afraid of it not working, that we mm-hmm. never know would that have worked or not um so i'm i'm more than okay with being wrong i'm just not okay with just not knowing um and i think that for a lot of people that cripples them from trying something is the fear of what's what is on the other side of that adventure well and it's also this idea that everything's wrapped in pride i think pride is like the biggest sin that we have you know um and it's probably the biggest one in my life you know like we talk a lot about things like pornography well that's roped in pride adultery pride like pride is like the biggest i mean look at the very first sin cain uh the second sin uh, not the first one um well actually no the first one too right um adam and eve yeah adam and eve i was thinking about cain and abel right like cain um was ticked off at Abel because Abel's sacrifice was better. Well, that's a prideful thing, right? Like that's a, that's a, that's a deal. Right. But I think that that's where we live in a pride filled world full of self awesomeness. Like, look at how great I am and let me project self projection, right? Like, let me project how great I am. I've, I've kind of noticed this about my own social feed. Like I should be sharing more about what we're trying to do in our ministry or how great my family is. And then I really think and step back and say, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to get wrapped in this prideful thing where I'm doing it for the like or the follower count. I just don't care. I do care, but I shouldn't care. And so therefore my, my apathy is I'm I'm not there yet where I I just really want to like not care. I want to shut that down. You know what I mean? I know how to do those things. I've done marketing and, and, you know, I was selling Facebook pages to people in Kansas when Facebook was like three years old. Right. And walking them through how to connect with people through Facebook. Now I have to ask my wife how to like share an Instagram video. And she just looks at me and says, didn't you own a social media agency back? (laughs) I did. I just, I've just like, I've, Frankly, I, I got to the point where my agency grew big enough where I could hire other people to do it. And I lost that connection to it. And I'm cool with it. Like, awesome. Like, I don't really care to share my life on social media as much as I really want to, I suppose. 
all that to yeah. say, I don't really know where I was going with that little side tangent, but all that to say, I think pride is the biggest thing. You know, it's the thing that we talk a lot about in the Bible. I think that's why we have so many problems in the church. I think it's mm-hmm. one of those things where we don't move because we're worried about other people and we don't move fast enough because we worried about other people. We should really be focusing on what God says and what Jesus wants us to do and really go for it. You know, and I think that there are uh, so many people out there that can take and can juggle this idea of moving forward and furthering the gospel using technology and things of that nature. But you have to bring people along in that journey. You have to do it in a grace filled manner. That's, again, the other half of the Bible. Yes, it's about change. It's about understanding who Jesus is. But it's also about following him. And then helping other people follow him. Like if you, I was looking at this, if you look at the Ten Commandments, the 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 connection between the whole, you're supposed to love God and love others, right? That's what Matthew 22 mm-hmm. is all about. The Ten Commandments, they all fit those two. And so why aren't we doing that? You know, if I think where I get frustrated is in my life when I'm not living from one of those two centralized operating points. And I've, it's taken a while for me to get there and realize, hmm, that's pride now. That's really not feeling what God wants me to do. I'm going down this direction. And as the great prophet Queen Elsa said, I got to let that go. You know, I got to let it go. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. just one of those things where I have to ensure that I can just walk away from whatever that prideful thing is. And that's so hard. So hard. Yeah. You know, um, it just, the things that we do in this world have an eternal consequence, but it's at the same respect, it's, it's what motive are we doing them from? And that's really where I feel like I'm on a journey right now, trying to ensure that my motives are pure before I actually take a step towards anything. And that can be debilitating at times, but at the same respect, I'd rather wait another day before taking a step than taking a step and go too far and it's not the right way. You know what I mean? Like in, in our lives, in my younger years, I would have just like, I, I'm with such a ready fire aim person. I'm still um, a pretty, a really big ready fire aim person, but I'm, I'm like learning to like pause on the trigger just a little bit more. Um, and I think in time and as I grow, that will hopefully change to really truly be a ready aim fire situation. And because there's consequences on both sides. If you go too fast or you go too slow. And really what we're trying to do is we're just trying to go in God's timing on everything. Right. Right. Hey Amen, dude. That's good. Yeah. So you talked about seasons. I got a couple more questions for you. You talked about seasons. um, And you said that you believe that there are three things happening at the same time within seasons. You're learning something, you're perfecting something and you're sharing something. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that, um, we, even when we go through hard times and and in my life, we've gone through some incredibly hard times, uh, my wife and I, and even personally, you know, before I got married and stuff like that. And I think in there, I think if you really were to ask yourself some really hard questions, there's always something you're learning, there's always something that you already have inside of you, right? Like, it's not like you you go learn. Like, we have this thing in this country where we go and we learn. And then, 
and then the next step is then you do, and then the next step is then you mentor somebody, right? Like we have this thing where you go to college and then you do your career. And then when you retire, then you go and pour into other people, or you just go sit on your yacht or whatever it is that you do. I just don't think that that's, I don't think that's true. I don't know the scripture to back this up. So this is, this is 100% me, but I've learned that I have always something to learn always something to perfect and always something to share with another person. I think right now in my life, I'm learning how to be uncomfortable for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. I've been in the church long enough um, where I know a lot of the things to say. I know a lot of the stories. I know a lot of the scripture. I believe them in my heart, all these different things. But am I pouring that into another person? Am I taking the the things that i have learned through the bible and i am i bringing more people to know jesus evangelism is a really big thing like all the offices of of um the church and stuff like that i tried pastor for a while um i led middle school and um uh high school that's the next grade right yeah led middle school and high school and it was hard i was bivocational um it was really difficult because um you're you're going through the word weekend and week out and you're pouring into kids and doing that bivocationally for me being an all in guy was really hard. My heart couldn't, my heart couldn't separate the space. I felt like I was letting everybody down all the time. I was letting the, the, the kids down because I wasn't studying enough or I didn't practice the sermon, wrote a great sermon uh, that I really felt like God was excited about, but then giving it four times, three times on a weekend, you see what I'm saying? It's just, you know, because you do it, it's just, it's, really hard. Um, but I think that that's one of the things that I'm learning right now is how to be a better evangelist, how to get outside the walls of the church and how to go bring people to Jesus, how to go talk about Jesus to people, because people are dying right now that don't know Jesus. And that's a problem. That's not, it's frankly not my problem. It's Jesus's problem, but he puts it on me and a burden on me and every believer out there to tell his story. And he gives us the words through the Holy Spirit to do that. So it isn't my problem, but it becomes my problem when I'm not doing it. Does that make sense? So the next, because now you've got, go ahead. It's a call. I'm just saying it's a call. It's a call in our life, right? It's, it's what we're supposed to do. We get like this thing where we like, Oh, okay. We know Jesus. And then we become more like Jesus. We kind of forget the next part, which is go tell more people about Jesus. We just sit in the pew sometimes and just like get super comfy and upset when somebody sits in our seat, you know, like that's not a, that should never be a thing. We should always be uncomfortable for Jesus. The, The other thing is, is that we always have something to offer somebody, but what are the things that we are doing? Like, what are the things that we're called to do? And so for me, the way that God kind of works through me, I've, I've kind of looked at this is that I really love creating atmospheres of worship. I just do. I cannot sing a lick to save my life. My wife would disagree. I'm not about to go get a vocal coach and figure out how that looks. Like I own a guitar, but I don't know how to play the thing, you know, like it sits downstairs in my basement and collects awesome amounts of dust. And my daughter like will strum the strings probably more than I do. Um, but I, I, Using technology, I love creating atmospheres of worship. Like that's that's where I am, and and that could be in person, it could be in a building, um, it could be everywhere. It could be using technology. It could not be using technology. I love worship myself. I love being on the receiving end of worship, and I love giving worship. So that's where I spend a lot of my time, and I love building things. So 
Right now, my wife and I and a friend of ours are building a ministry that helps women and men go through pregnancy and infant loss. It's something that is near and dear to our story, which is my third point, um, mm-hmm. uh, because I always think we have a story to tell. And our our story is always something that God wants us to use to glorify himself in our lives, right? So Revelation 12, 11, they, they overcame him, which is Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's, that's really what we're trying to do here on this earth, right? We're, we're trying to get to heaven. We're trying to understand who Jesus is. We overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and the word of our testimony. And our testimony in the very shortest form is uh, we uh, have had a crazy journey when it comes to having children. We both have a huge heart for kids and we want more kids. We have a six-year-old. We uh, had a, uh, in two years ago, we had a son who was born at 37 weeks with, um, we went in for our last checkup and his heartbeat just wasn't there. Our very last one, we were supposed to deliver on Monday. We went on Friday and he was already in heaven. And uh, that really wrecked us big time. I mean, destroyed both of us tested our faith to crazy levels. Um, by the grace of God, we, we, what was interesting is that like, we've seen people go through that and just, they, they scream and they yell and they kick and they cuss at God and things of that nature. That was never in our hearts. So we knew that that was a good place for us to be operating from. We, we had moments, don't get me wrong, where you just really ticked off at God. Why is the question? I have a reason um, but I don't have the the eternal reason. As parents, we're really called. Like if we really like like if if I was to say Stuart, what's the number one thing you want for Micah? And you want you the, the the response is you want what's best for your kids, right? Right. The hard realization is that I'm not what's best for my kids. Hmm. And when you walk through what we've walked through delivering a son at 37 weeks, and he got to skip this world and go straight to heaven. I understand that in my head, and I understand that in my heart. My spirit understands it. Like it, I can see all the things. I can see the scriptures. I believe it. But walking in it is something totally different. To go, thank you, Lord. That's a really hard place to be and, and be... Yeah appreciative of that because I, I, man, I can't, I can't wait to get to heaven and, you know, um, see my son and, um, learn who he is and the way that God created him to be and get to be in, in eternity with him. Right. Like we're talking, dude, we're talking like what, 60 years, maybe if I'm lucky, um, that I have to wait and versus eternity. But that's Mm -hmm. the thing where our story is greater than just my wife and I, and our story becomes this thing and this idea in this, way that God has worked through us to prove that he's real and to share that with other people. And so I, I, that's why I say we always have three things we're doing. We're learning where God wants us to be uncomfortable and what, what particular vein we're supposed to be operating through, where we're actually supposed to be, you know, kind of working, you know, perfecting what we're doing. Right. And then what story, what is the story that God is telling on our lives right now? Those are the seasons that we're in. And by the grace of God, I pray that they always change. I really do. I hope that I become a better evangelist. And in 10 years, I'm not saying, man, I'm just learning how to be an evangelist today. Um, I didn't share my story with anybody today. Right. 
uh, I hope that my story changes. I remember we we actually have had quite a journey through um, having children. Our son was our uh, fourth pregnancy. We have lost a pregnancy since then, and we're now in our sixth pregnancy as we speak. So that's a really hard number to give a nurse. So you're on your sixth pregnancy, and you just kind of both look at each other like, yeah, yeah, we are. But we know that God is good, and we know that other people can can connect with us through our story because our story is about Jesus walking us through the healing and how God loves us, loves all six of those kids and how we're supposed to lead again, kind of going back to the first one, leading people back to Jesus through that because there's so many people, so many marriages that just implode because of that. So many people that just have no hope, long-term effects of having miscarriage and just walking um, without knowing that there's hope in Jesus. I could not be where I am today without Jesus and the hope that he gives in his, in his word, by our friendship, by the friendship of the people in our church, by worship. All those things get me out of the way and get Jesus back into me. And that's huge. Those are the seasons that I always want to be in. How can I become and receive more of Jesus in me so that I can, I can get the fullness of who he's created me to be? Yeah, that's good, man. Well, you said something um, uh, a little bit ago that your dad was a doctor. Uh huh. Um, and you said that your dad became a doctor because he wanted to help people. And mm-hmm. uh, I think everything that you just said, with everything that you and Kelsey have gone through, how you guys are are uh, capitalizing on the story that God's writing on your guys' lives. Um, Dude, I, I see a lot of that mentality from your dad of wanting to help people being mm-hmm. passed down to you into mm-hmm. wanting to help people. And I think that is um, taking, uh, I think that's being lived out through the the shape of um, the formation of four known ministries mm-hmm. that, uh, that you and Kelsey um, and Ellison are going through right now. Um, so real briefly. Yeah. Can you just kind of hit on what Four No Ministries is and some of the stuff that you guys got coming up? We really felt uh, so after we lost our son. So my wife Kelsey and our friend Allison, they work for a ministry in Colorado Springs called the Navigators, and they work for a particular version of it called Glenary. It's a castle and conference center. Their desks are about mm, three feet away from each other, something like that. Um, they got to go through their pregnancy together. Um, unfortunately, um, Allison, uh, had a beautiful baby girl, Cora, who unfortunately went to be with the Lord straight from the womb, um, via a cord wrap. Um, it was, uh, one of those things where it totally wrecked Allison. She has had her family never had any crazy, weird pregnancy things. It was just, yep, we have kids. It's perfect. It's awesome. It's great. That happened two weeks before we went through our loss. So my wife, did not go. We did not go to Allison and her husband Jono's uh, funeral for their daughter Cora because my wife was having a baby shower mm. that day, that time. Two weeks later, we um, go through. I mean, it's the same thing, right? We we lost our. Uh, she was really close to delivery too. Um, I don't remember how far along. I think she was at thirty 
late 30, like 38, 39. She was supposed to deliver pretty soon. We do it. We lose our child at, at 37. They work together. It destroys, frankly, the staff. Um, and obviously tests their relationship, their friendship. And another coworker of theirs had their, she actually had her son um, on our son's delivery day. So you had three women all go through this. My goodness, there was so much there that we all had to process together. The staff had to process. So months later, um, Kelsey and Allison are having lunch together and Allison was telling Kelsey about what she felt like God was calling her to do. And Kelsey said, what? Like, I feel like that's what God's calling me to. Uh, on Pregnancy Loss and Remembrance Day in 2018, they decided to join Fornown and, and create a ministry called Fornown Ministries uh, based off of Jeremiah uh, 1.5. You know, I knew you before um, I formed you in the womb. Uh, that's the Ryan Cole paraphrase because I don't have it right and perfectly open in front of me. Um, <laughs> but it's um, it's that, you know, like we believe that every child is a gift from the Lord. Every single one, every single one, every pregnancy is a gift from the Lord. Every, let me, I don't know if you heard that, every single one. And that is a really um, difficult place in this world, in this day and age, with the abortion rates that we have as high as they are. Miscarriage is about one in every four pregnancies are, are end in miscarriage, and that's really hard. Um, we have created a ministry. They, they started the ministry. Um, I have decided to join them full time and make it a thing. <laughs> um, and we are really going after it full bore, what God has for um, this ministry. We have a retreat every year. The next one is coming up on April 3rd, um, at Glen Erie Castle. It's amazing. It's an amazing time. Um, it's for women. Sorry guys. Uh, you can text me and we'll talk, uh, one-on-one, -on -one. but, um, we had the first one last year and 32, 33 women came and just experienced Jesus and the healing that he provides through miscarriage and pregnancy loss. These are women that have come because they've miscarried a child early on a pregnancy. These are women that come that have had stillbirths like we've had. These are women that, um, that come because they had a daughter or a granddaughter experience, um, a pregnancy loss of some sort, you know, um, we have kind of expanded over the years to do, we really help women through miscarriage, stillbirth, but then we're really talking a lot to people about how do you, how do you talk to people that have gone through that? And then I feel like my call in my life is to talk to men. How do you support your wife in that? That's a really big deal. We, um, Allison's husband, Jono and myself, we had a session last year, um, where the women just grilled us. I mean, they do, they grilled us. Like, I remember this lady in the back corner going, um, yeah, this is all great conceptually, but like, what do I tell my husband today that I, that like, I need to, I need you to tell me to tell him something so he can give me more time to grieve. And that kind of lit both of Jono and I up like, wow, conceptual won't actually do here. These women are looking for answers and their husbands are kind of maybe not being as graceful as they need to be. There's something there. So we have this retreat every year now, and we'll have it until Jesus returns, hopefully, uh, or Glen Erie is done with it. But it's a three-day intensive retreat. It's like one of those things where people like, if you've had one of those moments where you're like, I don't want to go to church today, but when you go, it's it blows your mind. It's this, folks. This is the thing that if 
you know somebody who has gone through a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss or has a daughter that's gone through it, this retreat's the thing. Like it's intense, but Jesus is there. And this is this is the ministry. It is walking women through this and helping them understand that God didn't take their baby. Um, there's a lot of questions that people have. You know, like there's just a lot of just garbage that that comes in grief. And we're called to help people walk through that. And so I encourage you to check out fornownministries.org. Um, the Facebook page is also good too, you know, facebook.com slash fornownministries.org. We have to put the dot org because there was another Fornown Ministries. I love that about social media when somebody steals your idea ahead of time type stuff. <laughs> and it's it's one of those inactive pages, you know, that nobody's doing anything with. Anyway, it drives me nuts. But it's it's if you're li- if you live in the Colorado Springs area, I'm telling you, it is the best three day retreat that you could possibly go to. Um, it's $122, man. And you're at Glen Erie for three days. Um, if you want to stay there, it's a little bit more, but if, if, if you're in Colorado Springs, you just want to commute, kind of go in and out. It's $122. That includes all of your food, the program, three days of, of sessions, counseling. They do some like individual one-on-one counseling sessions. You can't kind of do this for 122 bucks on your own. Like it's just not a thing. So Glen Erie has really blessed us to be able to offer that to people. Like I said, if you want to stay, um, they have really um, cheap room rates for the, for the night too. Um, last year we stayed on property and it, and it was amazing. Um, it, I've stayed on that property many times. You've been there. It's insane. So uh, we really encourage women to look into that. If it's a guy and you're really struggling with it, you know, connect with Stu or um, send me an email to Ryan at fornownministries.org. And I, I really would love to just walk. I, I do. I walk men through this situation of how do you support your wife in this? There's a lot there. Um, there's a whole section on our website for men and their issues. And how do you support your wife through this? Please look at it. It it does relate to all grief, you know, but it's one of those things where we're just not good as men dealing with women and what they're dealing with in this. And so I really want guys to look at that because it's, it's a big deal. And if we don't do it right, that's where marriages get tested and some of them fall apart and it's not good. We don't want that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm super proud of what you guys are doing. Um, Thanks, bud. Dude, I'm, Appreciate that. I'm super stoked for how God is writing uh, the story of the Cole clan. Um, <laughs> and he's bro, not done I'm yet. Just, it's I, awesome. He's not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm just super, super excited just to see what you being all in all the time for uh, foreknown and all the things that God has planned for you, uh, what that will uh, look like when it's all said and done and you and I are chilling uh, in heaven with Jesus, high fiving right? one That'd another, be so sweet. Um, and, yep. and hearing all the stories about it. So um, we will, or I will, put into the show notes um, a link to Forno Ministries website, the Facebook awesome. page, and uh, Ryan's contact information for all you guys out there that do want to connect with him. Um, but Ryan, dude, again, super stoked and super thankful that you came on to do this podcast and share your story. And um, Thanks, man. dude, I'm just blessed by you. So, well, likewise, man, I, I I love what you're doing, and the more that we can share Jesus with other people, I think is that's the thing. It's the the word of our testimony. It is the thing. It is is it's an equal part. 
no, it's not equal. It's not really equal. Jesus is way better, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's way uh, better, way better, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's, I'm looking, I, I, the only reason I say that is I, I have revelation in front of me right now, but um, yeah. what you're doing in the opportunity to share leadership and purpose is so impactful for people. If we can get our purpose nailed down for what God has for us on this side of eternity, I think our frustrations go down tremendously. I think that we learn to operate from a center. And I really think that God wants to bless us infinitely in that. And that's really something I'm super proud of you for. Thanks, man. And amen to that. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, Ryan, uh, dude, again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll have you back on again sometime. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, bud. All right, bro. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Stew on This podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast for future episodes. Thank you again for listening and God bless.